Welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Certified Financial Planner Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth LLC. In this podcast, we help individuals and couples plan for a peaceful and enjoyable retirement. Join us on this journey where we explore the importance of simplifying the retirement planning process as Stephen, with his years of experience and expertise in retirement income planning, along with guest experts, will help you achieve first wisdom, then wealth. And don't forget to check out the Simplify Your Retirement online course and other great resources at SimplifyYourRetirement.com. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Eric. How you doing today? I am blessed. I, I get to good. talk to you again. This is multiple times this week that we're recording, absolutely, which is just great. You guys are doing your second season of the show, that's and right. you brought in another guest, correct? Absolutely. Uh, that's what really season two is all about. Uh, yeah. We're building on season one, what we talked about there, and uh, in this season, trying to dig deeper into uh, the topics we introduced in season one. We've had several guests, and I'm excited about the the guests that we have today. Yeah, the, the last couple podcasts for those that are tuning in right now, the last couple podcasts, Stephen brought on members of his team. Um, so you definitely want to go back and listen to that. He's got a very robust team that he works with. So please go check those podcasts out. But today is Aaron Love, and this is my first time meeting Aaron. So Aaron, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you both for having me as a guest today. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Stephen picks the best guest. So I'm going to let you guys go to it. Stephen, why did you bring Aaron on the show today? Thanks, Eric. I appreciate that. Well, you mentioned uh, just a moment ago that uh, the last couple of podcast episodes, we've had members of our team that's actually people that are financial advisors with Wise Wealth. Aaron Love is not a member of the team here officially, but he feels like a member of the team. Uh, We do a lot of work uh, together, joint work with clients in in the industry. Um, Aaron is a personal friend of mine, but also a great friend to this firm, Wise Wealth. Uh, We have many mutual clients and serve uh, the area together. And uh, I'll just introduce Aaron to uh, those of you who are joining us in the podcast today. I'll introduce Aaron to you so you know who is speaking. And then uh, we'll learn uh, some more things about Aaron. And we'll have, uh, we're going to dig a little deeper into some of the basic planning tools that everyone needs to have. Um, but Aaron is a, um, a, 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 an elder care attorney, an estate planning attorney. After spending 16 years in the banking industry, Aaron established his law practice in 2000. And it's called the Love Law Group, headquartered here in Lee Summit. His extensive background in banking and trust administration enable him to have a highly integrated approach in his primary areas of practice, which are elder law and estate planning. He is a member of the Missouri Bar Association, National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, uh, the Missouri chapter of uh, the National Association of Elder Care Law Attorneys, Wealth Council, Elder Council in the Lee Summit Chamber of Commerce. And we're glad Aaron is with us today. I do need to mention that uh, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Aaron, uh, so glad to have you on the podcast today to introduce you to our podcast audience. Thank you very much, Stephen. Great to be here. I appreciate Eric, you helping work all this out. We're excited to be able to share some basic information for Anybody who's listening, whether it be a current client of Wise Wealth or someone just interested in learning more, mm-hmm. how to basically plan for your lifetime, 
Mm-hmm. One of our bylines is legacy planning for all seasons of life. And so we're going to be digging into that in more detail. Absolutely. We look forward to that. Before uh, we even get into some of those uh, topics that you just brought up, I, I just want people to get to know you just a little bit. So uh, let me just ask you, Aaron, how long have you been working as an estate planning attorney and elder care attorney? I've had my own business now going on 21 years, but before that, I worked in the banking field, and one of my responsibilities was managing a small trust department. Mm. So I began seeing the need for people to have planning in place and what the difference is between comprehensive, complete planning Mm. and kind of haphazard planning. So that's what started giving me the heart for back Mm. in those days. So really, it's more than 21 years, but specific in my own practice, 21 years. Interesting. So you were you were in the, the banking profession, but you were looking at trust documents and analyzing trust documents. That's where you saw that, hey, there's a need here. You What, what did you see? You just felt like people's trust weren't being written properly? You didn't feel like they were being administered properly? Or what What need did you see after working in banking that you felt like, hey, this is something that I should do to help out It was a combination of things. In the trust area, what we would normally see is people would come in thinking all of their assets were uh, controlled by their trust. But if you see a trust as like to bring in a live, to bring into more of a 3D, you see it as a box. And what we would, what, when you dig down and you Mm -hmm. look at the titling of the assets, there might be very little in the trust or maybe only a portion Mm -hmm. of the assets in the trust because people didn't understand the need that they needed to retitle. But there is one other thing that I became very obvious as well because I had another role with the bank and that was general counsel mm. because it was a smaller bank. So anytime a power of attorney was presented, it would be run by me. Mm-hmm. So what I noticed is, oh, wow, some of these power of attorneys are being drafted, but they don't have enough language in them mm. to enable the bank to move forward with confidence that this agent really has the power to do what they want to do on behalf of the principal who created it. So we saw those deficits Mm -hmm. and knew that, hmm, we need to pause. Maybe legal services shouldn't all be delivered like a McDonald's style. (laughs) Um, That can work. Those very generic approaches can work, but oftentimes when you get into the more complicated areas of life, mm-hmm. they're not adequate. Okay. And so uh, you started your own firm, your own practice back in 2000, and, you know, you, you left the banking industry, did this. You know, what what caused you to do that? What drives you? What motivates you now? What I am driven by now is being able to assist people to go through a process of evaluating where they're at in life, where they want to go, and what decisions are needed to bring about a peace of mind. Mm. So, but we want it to be a real peace of mind. We want the planning to work when it needs to work. Mm. So that means whatever planning option they choose off of the buffet table of planning It's going to work the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't all have to be trust planning, Mm. but it has to work. So what we see is a lot of haphazard planning where this works, but this didn't work. So it's being able to help people. So even yesterday, um, we'd gone through this process with this uh, family, and at the end they just said, wow, uh, we're a blended family. 
we really needed to get this work through. Mm-hmm. And your planning approach has been detailed. It's helped right. us understand. We were able to put the right things in place. And we've already had a family meeting. And it was so right. great to be able to sit down with the family and tell them what we had. And not only from an asset point of view, but from a healthcare point of view, if something mm-hmm. happens to us. And the family said, we are so grateful that you've done this. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that was important to that family, they just saw what happened to another loved one mm. who had passed last fall and how mm, all the pieces of the puzzle weren't quite together and the strain that that created on the family. So mm. that's one of our goals is to help families get to that point of, of real peace of mind, mm-hmm. not, not an imagined peace of mind. They think they've done it, but they really have. So that requires follow through. So that's mm-hmm. one of our goals. Excellent. You said uh, a couple of very important things there. I like how you say that uh, you you help people make decisions that lead to peace of mind. And as you just described, not just, you know, peace, a real peace of mind. And it's really about helping them make good decisions. And so that seems a lot of what you do. You're asking questions uh, that people don't know need to be answered. Um, and the questions lead to the decisions and the decisions lead to peace of mind. And like you said, and I know you, you believe in this and that is, uh, you can have a trust, you can have these documents, but unless you actually follow through, put them in practice, actually update your, your titling, uh, you know, update your beneficiary designations, whatever the case may be, really the, the, the work and the, the documents don't mean anything unless you really follow through. And I know that's something you're passionate about. Yes, that's, and let me just give you an example. Um, with respect to trust planning, so when you build a trust, the goal is that you're going to avoid probate because the assets won't be in your name only. Mm-hmm. So the assets become in the name of the Jane Doe Trust or the John Doe Trust, or if it's a husband and wife trust, John and Jane Doe. But here's often what happens is the documents are produced and then you're giving by the, the provider, the service mm-hmm. provider, you're giving a packet of information of how to fund your trust. Well, this isn't something you do every day. So you think you understand, then time passes, and as a result, you never get through all of those assets. So a different approach is this. You take and schedule all the assets one by one, line item by line item. So first you're identifying them. They're on a list, and a part of that list is, and the final column is, this is your action steps. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, then you give a tool to make that happen, whether Mm -hmm. it be a letter of direction, maybe it's a beneficiary form that you're assisting, filling out. But beyond that, you do that on every line item Mm -hmm. of the asset, but you don't stop there. You have what we call a trust funding audit meeting four Mm -hmm. to eight weeks later. So now they come back and we get to see, okay, did you have any problems with this? Did this really happen? So the goal is when they walk away from that trust funding meeting, all the work's done. Wow, Mm -hmm. peace of mind has been met because not only did we build the platform of documents, now the plan is set up to really work. Yep. 
That's awesome. So outside of the Love Law Group, you just described the process that you all do and you follow through with everybody to, to not only have the documents, have the peace of mind, but also the follow through, make sure it gets done, have the audit meeting. In general, do you have any idea in, in the world of uh, estate planning and trust documents, how many people have the trust documents and have not actually implemented them? follow through and gone and actually, you know, updated all the, do- all the other accounts that they need to as a result of having these documents? The majority of trust planning is not fully funded. Amazing. Um, now, depending upon who the mm-hmm. people are, um, if they're more detail-oriented, they'll take that general guide sheet and they'll do a decent mm-hmm. job of following through, but maybe they leave open a few items. Mm-hmm. Um, but... People that are less detailed and they get that general sheet, this is what you do, mm-hmm. oftentimes the only thing that might be in their trust is their home mm-hmm. because the provider of services helped with the deed for the home and then that's where it stopped. So you may have only their home in the trust. Mm-hmm. So let me give you a little example of when you do it the other way. Mm-hmm. Recently... I did, just in the last couple of weeks, I had an appointment with somebody that we did trust planning for. It's unbelievable how time flies, but 18 <laughs> years ago, 18 years ago, okay? Yeah. So the first thing I always do, I start with, okay, let's get a list of your assets and let's see how they're titled. Unbelievably, because mm-hmm. of this approach, we went through every single asset and mm-hmm. They were all in the trust. Wow. Now, what made it simpler for this particular individual, they hadn't moved in 18 years. Mm -hmm. They hadn't changed bank accounts in 18 years, but they had added a few assets and they had followed the pattern and they were able to do it. What Mm -hmm. made this so vitally important is the purpose of this meeting was a follow-up to the death of her husband. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to know that she still had her plan in place even after that mm-hmm. uh, crucial event in her life, gave her that peace of mind that, wow, I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And that's really what she wanted to hear from us, that mm-hmm. I'm still okay. We looked through all of her documents just to do an audit. The only thing we needed to update was her health care durable power of attorney mm. because there had been several changes in the law since then and yeah. her agents were changing slightly right. because her husband is gone. So that was just an example of the difference mm-hmm. versus another plan that we reviewed that we didn't start off with and we went through it uh, about three weeks ago and the only asset in it was their home. Hmm. So those those are right. just the differences. If you're yep. going that direction, you want it to work when you need it to. Absolutely. Those of you who are just joining us on the podcast, we were talking to Aaron Love, estate planning attorney, elder care attorney here in Lee Summit. The, the website is the uh, is just Love Law Group, lovelawgroup.com. You can find out more information about Aaron. Uh, those of you who are familiar with uh, me, with Wise Wealth, with the Simplifier Retirement Podcast, you know how much we believe in education 
uh, which is one of the reasons why we even do this podcast. And so Aaron is the same way. I know that his firm, um, that's what he does. He educates his clients. He has classes just like we do here for uh, for our clients. And he does the same thing uh, for people interested in estate planning. And so uh, we share that same passion about educating, making sure people understand everything they need to know. And, and what Aaron is talking about right now is so important. And that is you can have a will. I mean, you can have a trust, but if you, if you don't implement it, in other words, if you don't change the title of the assets to the name of the trust or name the trust as beneficiary or so forth, then the trust is irrelevant just because you have one. And so you have to follow through with it. That's so important. Um, now, Aaron, you know, I want to get into some more of the practical issues and the time that we have left in this podcast. Uh, we actually are going to have two podcasts with Aaron. There, there is so much to cover, and I knew there was no way we would cover it in one. So I'm glad to let everybody know that we're going to have Aaron on today's show, but then also the next one as well will continue the discussion. But in today's uh, show, I really want to talk to Aaron about some of the basic planning tools that almost everyone should have. This is what I say. Almost everyone should have regardless of income or net worth. I think there's this misconception perhaps that some people think, well, a trust is, is only if you have a certain number of assets or whatever the case may be. And that's really going to be in this, in the next podcast, we're going to get into trust. But in this podcast here, Aaron, uh, you know, I, there are six tools or, you know, what I consider to be basic tools that I feel like everyone needs to have. And I just want you to address them each, you know, real quickly. So the first one is just a will, a will when someone passes away. What is that? Why is that important? Who needs it? So a will is a document that guides and directs you through the probate process. So alert number one, a will does not avoid probate. It is actually a probate document. It is, though, your personal directions to a probate court. So everyone, of course, says you need a will. You do need a will definitely at certain seasons of your life. It is a bit optional at the later seasons of life, mm-hmm. but you can't put transfer on death on everything, such as a wrongful death lawsuit or any other form of negligence that mm. would result in taking your life. Or you could do your very best and you leave something out. So if you have to go through probate process, the ideal is to have your own written instructions to get through that process. But in earlier in life, especially in the state that we are broadcasting from, the state of Missouri, Mm -hmm. the only place that you can name long-term guardians actually for your minor children is in a will. Mm. So even if you had a trust, you'd still have this pour of a will. You want to avoid probate with your assets, but you would still need the will for naming guardian children. So the Mm -hmm. will definitely has a place and a plan. It needs to be evaluated to always see, hey, if I want this will to really work though, if this is my cornerstone, then we have to understand then that is a probate document. Mm -hmm. So there are some instances it is best for the assets to go through probate. What takes an asset through probate is it's in your name only. Mm-hmm. So if you want the will to work, you can't have beneficiary designations. You've got to drive those assets through the probate process. Then your will will control. You've designed how mm-hmm. you want everything to happen. So anything that doesn't have a title, beneficiary designation, trust documents, so your personal possessions, wouldn't that all pass their will? Someone's, uh, you know, uh, uh, items in their home and so forth. That all really pretty much needs to be divided out, you know, based on the will. Is that correct? 
It can be, but in the state that we're in, once again, in the state of Missouri, there's actually a statute that allows you to have transfer and death even mm. on untitled, tangible, personal property. So mm. there are other ways to pass it other than a will. But if you don't have that, then it can, the default would be a will mm. for that type of property. What would you say uh, to someone who, you know, th- there are certain sentimental items. Let's just say that a um, a dad had, you know, um, a, you know, a husband and wife had a son and a daughter. And, and the goal was, hey, this baseball glove was passed down from my grandfather to my father to me. I want Johnny to have this. And and the mom says, hey, I've got this, uh, you know, this recipe book that came down from our grandmother to your mother to me. And I want a daughter to have this. If somebody has something specific that they want to leave to a specific child, instead of everyone sitting down at the table and everyone agrees and mom and dad say, okay, when I we pass away, we want him to get this, we want her to get that, and everyone agrees verbally, is that enough? Or what would you say to someone who has a you know possession of value or sentimental or emotional value, they want to go to a specific person, what should they do and how should they handle that? Well, there's really four ways they could do it. Mm-hmm. One... They could just give it to them, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. Two, if they have a will, most states, and including Missouri, allow through their statutes a what is called a specific gift mm-hmm. memorandum, and that refers to the statute, and then you can actually list the name of little Johnny, mm-hmm. the ball glove, and this is who you want it to go to, sign and date it, and that will be evidence of your intent for that to pass on. Okay. In the state of Missouri, you can also do that with a trust. The trust can refer to that same list. Okay. But then the other way is, at least in our state, and this is more limited, Missouri has a great set of statutes to avoid probate. So this may not be true in all states. But in Missouri, you could take advantage of the transfer on death statute mm. to pass on the ball glove if you don't want to give it to little Johnny now, you can do it at the time of death through this transfer on death statute without a will and without a trust. Interesting. Very good. Appreciate that. Next one is a living will. So the will we just described is the testamentary will. It's a will when people have passed away. But what is a living will? Why is that important? Who needs one? On this, I'm going to combine this uh, with uh, another item that Stephen has listed, and that is a healthcare directive. So a living will sets forth really your directions for life support and what your attitude is, your philosophy is uh, regarding that and giving guidance and direction to your agents under your health care durable power of attorney as to, in slang terms, when do you pull the plug? Mm-hmm. What life, spo- life support do you grant? When do you withhold, et cetera? In the Kansas City area, anyway, what is asked for more in the healthcare community is an advanced healthcare directive. Mm-hmm. It tends to be a little more comprehensive because it deals with nutrition and hydration. Mm. Oftentimes, living wills don't address that, and as a result, um, they they have that that shortcoming. So, as an, an advanced healthcare directive. You're dealing with all of it, any form of life support, including uh, that which may be artificial, dealing with nutrition and hydration, and you're granting your agent full and complete authority to either grant any form of life support, withhold it, 
or deny it. Maybe they start. It looks like it should work to help return to an acceptable quality of life, but it your your health continues to decline. So then they would have the right to withdraw it. Mm. Um, so what people have to be very cautious of is just saying, I never, ever want any form of life support. Well, mm-hmm. then COVID-19 comes along. And for some people, not everybody, but for some people, ventilators and respirators have been helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, if in your your living will or in your health healthcare directive, you said, no, life support, mm-hmm. well, that creates a dilemma. We They know that this could help, but you said you don't want any life support. So arguably, a better approach is set forth the framework. Give all the power in those documents to either grant, withhold, or deny life support, and let the agent determine based upon your diagnosis, your prognosis, give them a standard such as, is there going to be a reasonable opportunity for me to return to an acceptable quality of life? An acceptable quality of life, you could write a book or more Mm -hmm. books on, but it could start with just this, the ability to recognize people, the ability to feed myself. If I have a chance to return to that, okay, go ahead, Mm -hmm. go with the life support. So that's the purpose of those documents. It's, Mm -hmm. It's very crucial. Excellent. I appreciate it. It's a great explanation. Instead of just saying, you know, no life support, if I'm, you know, if I'm not going to make it anyway, don't do anything to try to save my life. I like what you say, appoint somebody, your agent, you know, someone that you trust to help make those decisions based on these criteria. Outstanding. So, you know, everyone should, you know, have a will, you know, for when you pass away, but this living will, what happens if I'm alive and I need help, you know, should I have this document in place? And of course, if, if somebody doesn't have that document in place, what is the default? Do people, is there an obligation to give people life support or not necessarily? What if they don't have one of these advanced healthcare directives? Yeah, well, it becomes quite the dilemma because yeah. now in the healthcare community, they are going to, you know, do try that. to do what they can okay. to to help you. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, it's, it's difficult okay. uh, because it becomes complicated. It becomes blurry. It's in the gray zone, case by case. So it depends upon the family at that point. It depends upon, you know, down to the provider of medical services, mm-hmm. not only the hospital, but the doctors. Okay. It, it just all becomes murky. It's not mm-hmm. crystal clear. That's why these documents are so important. And yeah. actually, to really answer Stephen's questions, here's what happens, at least in this part of the country, they have their generic forms. Mm-hmm. If you don't have it when you check in, oftentimes they mm-hmm. stick that generic form in front of you because they want that filled right. out right then. Okay. okay? So that's okay. what nim- typically happens. One of the other documents that we, I want to talk to you about was a healthcare power of attorney, healthcare durable power of attorney. Uh, we'll talk about that one now since it's related. I guess we'll talk about that one. What does that do for someone? How is that different than the advanced uh, healthcare directive? Um, so let's talk about that for a minute. Healthcare durable power of attorney. The advanced directive is dealing with the parameters for life support okay. versus the healthcare durable power of attorney. What's happening there is if you cannot communicate to manage your health care for whatever reason, um, mm-hmm. then at that point you're authorizing someone to step in and communicate on your behalf. Typically these are triggered by doctor opinions. So you're no longer able to process your health care information and communicate, make decisions. 
Now, having said that, it could be a stroke victim, mm-hmm. and that stroke victim may still have the mental capacity, but they can't speak. And this was actually the case with my own mom. Mm. She still had the mental capacity, but she could not speak. So I was her agent. I had to step in and speak on her behalf at that point. So then you're managing the doctors, the nurses, mm-hmm. the therapists. You're determining what tests, what is the diagnosis, what's the prognosis. You're doing it all as though you are that person. So that's why it is so incredibly critical that Mm -hmm. when you name this person, this person has the capacity, the margin in their life Mm -hmm. to step in and be there. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes these things happen in the middle of the night. And even in COVID days, it's hard to get into the hospitals, but there's still phones. You've got to be able to manage. The other thing that's really critical for this appointment of this helper is that they don't have white coat syndrome. (laughs) They have to be able to go in to an environment that's very stressful oftentimes Mm -hmm. in healthcare crisis and be able to think clearly and manage for your good, for your best interests. So important. And um, really, it's hard to overestimate the value of making sure that is done in advance so that way uh, someone can help because we've all heard the stories about people who don't have this. And in uh, in the loved one, maybe the spouse. I don't care if you're married for forty years. I mean, you, you, your spouse is in the hospital. The doctors are not going to consult with you, I guess, and, and ask you what you want done for this person unless you have this. And just real quickly, is is this the same for minor children? Let me ask you this. You know, when, um, you know, when should parents have a healthcare power of attorney on their child? Is it when, you know, when they become an adult, when they're eighteen, or you know, when does this become valuable even as a parent for a child? Stephen packed a lot in there, so I'll take yes. it a, take <laughs> that apart a little bit first. He mentioned something: having a, a marriage certificate, a marriage license, is not enough. Mm-hmm. You have to have these specific documents. So many people think just being married is enough. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. With respect to the minor child, until that child becomes a, an adult mm-hmm. in the state of Missouri, that's age 18, varies state by state. Mm-hmm. Then the parents are going to have rights mm-hmm. to care for that child. But the day they become 18, on that birthday, that child takes over their decisions unless you have, you know, exceptional situations like an incapacitated child mm-hmm. or a disabled child, mm-hmm. um, something going on like that. But in general, Every person who is an adult in this state that's 18, every single Mm. person needs these kind of documents. Amazing. Okay, that is huge. That's a massive statement. I know that's something uh, that a lot of people are not aware of, not really thinking about. So uh, we've covered wills, uh, you know, a, a will when you pass away, a living will, advanced healthcare directive, healthcare power of attorney, and something that's somewhat related but in different field would be the financial durable power of attorney. How is that different from the healthcare durable power of attorney and, and what does it cover? Well, we take the majority view among most attorneys that the healthcare power of attorney and the financial durable power of attorney need to be separate documents because mm-hmm. they have separate functions. Also, in the state of Missouri, the execution requirements for those are different. Mm. Uh, a healthcare durable power of attorney requires two witnesses. A financial power of attorney actually does not. Mm. The notary blocks themselves are different. 
a financial durable power of attorney needs to have a notary block similar mm. to that of a deed. It needs these words in it, free act and deed. Mm. That's one of the problems with a lot of the internet solutions. They don't have those words, free act and deed in them. Mm. Believe it or not, some legal counsels for some financial institutions will not take your financial power of attorney because it doesn't have those four words in it, okay? So it's very important that to understand that these are highly controlled documents mm -hmm. because you're stepping into the shoes of another person. So the financial power of attorney, you're dealing everything financially. So you think that might just be managing assets, but okay, you're getting ready to be admitted into an assisted living mm -hmm. and you have a pension. Hmm. Being married isn't going to get you access to that yeah. information needed for that pension. That's where a comprehensive financial durable power of attorney is absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. And we could go on with many stories <laughs> where they don't have adequate powers and what kind of impasses that creates. But Right. Some of you may want to know actually what the word durable means. Yes. It means that it's good through incapacity. What makes it durable is it has certain language taken from the statute of the state and it's inserted into the document. Once again, there are some legal counsels for financial institutions. If you don't have it verbatim, word for word out of the statute, they won't accept it. Now, that's not really what the statute says. It says, or substantially similar language, but that's why it's important mm -hmm. that you not overlook how critical these base documents are. Absolutely. We've learned a lot today, the importance of these documents, that the documents are correct and accurate, that they would actually work uh, in that they would actually be implemented. So I appreciate that, Aaron. You know, we've covered five of the six things I wanted to cover, but that's really all the time we have for this podcast. I'm going to talk about the sixth one in our next episode. So those of you who have, uh, hopefully you'll listen to the next one. Aaron will be our guest on our next show as well. I'm going to start by talking about how important it is to make sure all of your, you know, documents are stored, you know, correctly and making sure survivors know how to get this information. And I'm going to start the next episode with Aaron Love talking about that. Uh, but in this episode today, we talked about wills, living wills, healthcare power of attorneys, financial power of attorneys, and advanced healthcare directives. If you want more information about uh, the Love Law Group, you can go to lovelawgroup.com. And again, uh, if you want more information about Wise Wealth, our website is just wisewealth.com. It's great to have Aaron with us today, and we look forward to having him on our next podcast. Eric. This was great. I mean, there's so much information. You packed so much into this podcast. Um, I, I don't know what you've got for the next one, but I'm looking forward to it. I don't know. Maybe we'll just start talking about baseball. Who knows? Anyway. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. All right. Yes. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Aaron, uh, you're a fantastic guest, obviously a wealth of information. And Stephen, thank you so much for bringing him on the show. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast with Stephen Strickland. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Stephen comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And I've said it before on other podcasts, but really, this is one, especially the content that they talked about today. Please share this with your friends and your family and have that discussion because it's not an easy discussion to have, but these documents are so vital. And I think they drove the point home. So please share this. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Wise Wealth, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast. 
Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wise Wealth LLC or Simplify Your Retirement. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of a financial advisor or other qualified financial professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.